Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Greg Ray is the owner and founder of From Field to Table. He also runs a long-range shooting school. But I was most interested in his From Field to Table concept. The locavore movement, people going out and grabbing and getting and hunting their own food and bringing it back and feeding their families is something that is becoming more and more and more prevalent in society today. And I think that people are also very curious to understand how to cook venison better. There are some phenomenal dishes out there that you can incorporate venison in. You just don't have the tools to understand how to do it. This from field to table experience that Greg provides not only teaches you how to hunt but it also teaches you how to break the animal down and then teaches you these phenomenal meals he actually engages you in the meal preparation for the group itself wonderful concept and i think as he mentions there's a lot of new hunters coming to the table specifically his table excuse the pun that are really taking some benefits out of it so a quick conversation but something that I think you'd find extremely interesting. Enjoy. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, oh, does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a nonprofit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Uh, 
but Heck we just yeah. finished one of those and we have um our uh, long range schools uh are starting here in just a uh, well guests are showing up today uh for our long range schools in fact one of the uh, one of the guests that's showing up is uh Gina Tremor's uh husband oh really yeah What's his real name? Oh, you know, Instagram is so impers it's so impersonal nowadays. All I know him as is one life <laughs> to live, right? Yes, yes. Or one life so live or something like yes, that. Yes, yes. So his name's Rick. Oh. Yeah. Awesome, awesome dude. Um we just met uh for the first time at he came to the field to table with Ryan Mickler. Him and Ryan Mickler are really good friends. Okay. Yeah, so he came um uh, with them, and then he and I hit it off really well, and so we're actually actually looking at doing some some business ventures together. Oh, fantastic! He's a bit of an entrepreneur, isn't he? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's he's a uh, he's a serial uh, entrepreneur. He owns uh, multiple businesses and um, uh, has has done very well for himself. He's got he's got a very interesting story. He's uh, uh, has. has been at the the lowest of lows, the bottom, lose, uh, uh, lost everything to, uh, you know, retired seven years ago, something like that. And yeah, I think on his Instagram it's like retired at thirty six. Yeah, something like that. yeah, uh, yeah. I think he's forty two. So, uh, anyway, yeah. So they just they just travel a bunch, and he, you know, he still has his businesses, but um, he's not involved in the day to day anymore. So they just kind of kind of do their thing. Well, Greg Ray, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast, my man. Awesome, dude. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> so where are you coming from right now? Somewhere in Texas, right? Yeah, so I am uh, north of Abilene, about 45 minutes. As it's, I call this my home away from home. I've been coming here for 17 years. Uh, it's on the T-Diamond Ranch, uh, which is part of uh, Guitar Ranches. And uh, this is where we do our long-range shooting schools and our from field to table events. So we're north of Abilene, about 45 minutes. Where is Abilene in Texas? Uh, west of uh, Dallas, about three hours. So what's the country like? It Just is mesquite scrub or something like that? Yeah, so it's, it's really, so it's actually a lot different than what people expect, at least here on, on the ranch. So we've got about 40,000 acres here, and uh, we've got a lot of um, varying elevation, not, you know, nothing like out west, but some good uh, ravines, lots of uh, mesquite, cedars. Uh, some good plateaus, uh, and then the um, uh, I think about four or five miles of the uh, Brazos River uh, runs through here as well, and lots of uh, red clay dirt. So it gets pretty soppy and muddy when it's wet. When it's wet, it it does. So I've already been here uh, for a little over a week, and we've had some pretty good, you know, typical spring uh, storms. Uh, the bad thing is, is that that red clay, man, it gets um, gets really sticky. And when it dries, it's you have to have a jackhammer to get it off your truck. But the good thing is that when it, after it rains, it everything dries up really quick. So, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. so and they've needed the rain here. Oh yeah, yeah. I think Texas has been in a little bit of a drought for 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 quite some time, right? Yes, yeah. Especially here where we are, yeah. It's been it's been rough. So what are you chasing there? What have you got to chase there? So we chase a little bit of everything, pretty much what you would expect in Texas. Uh, we just completed one of our from field to table events, and uh, this one was just hog only. But we do, you know, the typical white-tailed deer. We do wild hogs. We do turkey. Uh, we do um, uh, sandhill crane and waterfowl. 
So yeah, pretty much everything that you'd expect in, in Texas. It's all it's all free range. Like I said, we get about forty thousand acres here, and uh, forty thousand acres. Yeah, a little place. Yes. <laughs> and it's and you yeah, say and free range. You say free range meaning is it low fenced or is it a high fence operation? No, no, all all low fence. Uh, it's a cattle operation as well. Um, so we have to deal with the cattle whenever we're hunting. But yeah, it's all it's all low fence. And this is just one of the ranches. We have another one about an hour from here that's about 12,000 acres. We don't do as much hunting on it, but we do. Uh, we just built a new um, long-range facility there as well. And it's got part of the Caprock Canyon uh, in it. So it's it's really cool as far as the topography goes. Oh, man. So, Greg, you've mentioned already twice on this podcast um, a field-to-table event. Are you is, – is, is that your main business now, field-to-table Sort of give us a little bit of background, like why field to table? Yeah, so I don't know that I would call it the, the main part. We're, we're pretty multifaceted in what we do, um, all all within the hunting and, and uh, shooting uh, industry. But field to table, actually, I'll back up for a second. So this is our 19th year in business. We'll, we'll celebrate 19 years in October. But we actually started uh, from field to table in May of 2019. Okay. And uh, it, is, it, it all came about originally for personal, for selfish reasons, because um, I've been hunting my entire life and learned everything that you learn. Yeah, you know, whenever you hunt, you, you know, you learn, uh, you know, how to use, be proficient with your firearm. And you, lose, you learn shot placement and, um, you know, learn how to find the animals, how to hang a tree stand or how to hunt out west. And, you know, then you learn how to find the animals and track them and then, um, you know, how to fill dress and skin and then pack an elk out or a moose out. You, you learn all that. But my experience ended with uh, dropping everything off the process. Mm. You know, four, four, I'll be 57 uh, this year. Four years ago, I could not have told you the difference between an eye around and a flat iron mm. or where they came from or, you know, I pretty much cooked everything the same. And mm-hmm. to be honest, with you, my wife was not too excited about, you know, cooking wild game uh, dinners, but, um, anyway, so I had some really good connections within the industry, uh, and, and with, uh, uh, with one chef, uh, at that time. And, um, anyway, so we got this program started. I'm going to fast forward a bit. Uh, we, in 2019, we did two events, um, uh, here at, at the location where I'm at now, we did one for hog only, and then we did one for, uh, whitetail and hog. Fast forward to today, uh, 2023, we'll do 21 or 22 events Jeez. this year. So it's grown really, really quick. Here's the byproduct of it. Here's what's gotten me really excited about it is uh, we went through 2019, most of 2020, but in 2021 and all of last year, half of every class that we did were first-time hunters. They were doing their very first hunt ever with us. They had found us, whether it's through some of our marketing word of mouth or, or, you know, found our website or whatever and, um, came and joined us and they were excited about the opportunity to have somebody show them how to start from, from field to table or A to Z, however, however you want to word it. So Greg, do you um, ask the question of these new hunters? Why, why yes. have they decided to become a hunter? Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah, it was, it was very curious. I'm, I'm a curious person and, and, um, you know, want to know why they were here and what they were looking for. and the answers have been pretty, uh, have all been pretty similar. So everybody, um, that we've asked that question about 
one, the reason that they waited to get into it is um, because it was intimidating to them. They, they see hunting as, uh, as an intimidating factor, and, you know, learning how to start something like that. Um, you know, it can be, you're dealing with firearms and, and how do you start hunting? I mean, where do you go? You, know, you just start walking through the woods and look for something to hunt. You've got rules, you've got regulations, you've got seasons, you've got a lot that, the lot that you need to know. So that was one of the big things that kept them from, from starting because they didn't grow up in a hunting family. They didn't have family members, they didn't have friends. And so that was the, the starting factor. But the biggest thing for everybody, as far as why they wanted to do it is every one of them had the same thing in common is that they wanted to learn how to source their own meals, source their own protein. A lot of these already are growing their own gardens. They, uh, a good number of them uh, have maybe, I don't know if you would call it a farm, but they raise chickens and they're really into the organic aspect um, of oh. it as well. Um, and, they're, they're in, and some of the other reasons, uh, you know, we're definitely a, a male-dominated um, uh, activity, sport, whatever you want to call it. But uh, a lot of husbands are bringing their wives. And so we're getting a lot of couples that come to this, something that they can now do uh, together. And it's a great, great way to introduce them to it. And now instead of just being a guy's trip, um, now it's being a lot more uh, family oriented. We're uh, introducing a lot of kids. A lot of dads are bringing um, their kids. We have moms bringing their kids, uh, grandparents. So it's, it has been really good for the industry in, uh, in that aspect. Of the new hunters that are coming to you, it, what's the, the split male-female? 70-30 okay. would, 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 probably be a pretty, would probably be a pretty good guess, and, and that's growing. We're getting more and more females. Uh, say, so this last, this last one, uh, we did not have any um, females in it, but almost every class now has at least one or two. Uh, and it, some of them, we've had some classes, it wasn't playing this way, but we've had some classes, every one of them was a husband and wife. Uh, and then I say everyone. So our class size will range, an eight, uh, eight would be a, the smallest class, 12 is probably the largest, depending on the location that we go to, because we don't do them just here in Texas, and of course, the, the species that we're hunting. Do you think that you may get more female participation if you offered like a female only? Again, the intimidation factor? Yeah, uh, 100%. And we're actually working on that. We're working on a couple of things. We're working on um, being able to offer a parent-child, no matter, you know, whatever the combination is, mother-daughter, father-daughter, father-son, it doesn't matter. Uh, and then also uh, on doing just a uh, female only. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually uh, have spoken with several of my friends that are uh, writers uh, within the industry, some of my female friends that are writers within the industry to see about putting that together. Uh, and, and some that have um, larger female audiences as well. Great. One of the things that obviously you're hitting on is this idea of not only taking and harvesting your own food, but being able to then go beyond the typical, you know, doves wrapped in bacon, wrapped in a, put in a jalapeno wrapped, you know, with cream cheese, right? Exactly. That that yeah. must be satisfying to be able to create world class dishes essentially now with venison that you actually had no idea was possible. Yeah, not, not only uh, to be able to create dishes like that, but how easy it is. It is it is one hundred percent. It has changed my outlook on hunting uh, completely in the in the way that I look at it and what I go for now. 
Uh, but so we, we just finished the one that I was just telling you about. And it was just hog only. And there are numerous people that say, oh, you can't eat those things. They're not any good. They're nasty. They stink. They don't taste good. And even more so if you start getting into the, like talking about the big boars, I can't tell you how many boars over 250 pounds that we've taken and have butchered and taste phenomenal mm-hmm. as long as you treat it right from the field. Now, with that being said, there are some that, you know, a- after you take them and you walk up on them, you're like, ooh, <laughs> that's pretty rough. You know, yeah, you yeah. haven't even... You haven't even field dressed them yet. So, that, you know, there can be some that, you know, that probably are not going to taste too good. But more than not, we have um, uh, harvested, butchered, processed, and cooked, uh, you know, wild boars over 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my kids, whenever we've had wild hog in the freezer, they, I'll say this, the pork chops that come out of a Texas corn-fed pig. And when I say corn fed, you know, corn coming out of the feeders. Yes. Um, those chops have been the most delicious chops I've ever had. Yes. And the fat cap that's on those, on those pork chops. Like my oldest, who's now 11, said he used to make a pork rib, a wild pig rib graveyard. Because he would have these ribs piled up on his plate. He was like, look at my graveyard, because <laughs> he was just chowing down on the pork chops. Yeah, they're amazing. So th- this last, uh, this one that we just completed, uh, we had a, a guy here that runs a, a pretty successful uh, YouTube channel. And he's actually from Oklahoma, from my home state. And he, he gets a few on his property and, and has killed a few because they kept, he, he raises pigs as well. And the wild boars will come in and, and try to get to his domestic pigs, so he, he kills them. And he says, you know, he's tried cooking them before. And he's like, eh, yeah, they were okay. I think we did a five-course meal here, and he was just blown away. So our, our guests actually participate in the kitchen. The, uh, our chef, well, we have four chefs on our team. This one was Chef Albert, and uh, he'll put together a menu. And each team, uh, so this one we had four teams of two, each team is responsible for a wild game dish. And they prepare it from, from start to finish. So they learn how to do their mise en place and learn how to get everything ready. So give us and, what that, that you said was a five course dinner. What was the five course dinner? Can you tell us? Yeah. So um, let me think here of the, the order that we did everything. So the, the, the first one was a, um, uh, was a wild boar dumpling. And so, yeah, they, they made the dough from scratch. Uh, to to make the dumplings from, and then um, I don't I don't remember exactly how they cooked um, the pork, but it was extremely fair, flavorful. Had an Asian flair to it. Uh, I believe uh, was stuffed with the um, uh, with the wild pork, uh, goat cheese, and then um, topped with um, uh, with a uh, sauce, pine nuts, and a uh, balsamic glaze. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll put pictures of it up. Uh, on on our website, like we do all of our all of our recipes, it, but it just looked absolutely amazing. Like it came from a five star, um, you know, five star menu, five star restaurant. So that was the first one, and then we did a, um, a German dish with some uh, uh, brats uh, that they made in our in our processing center. So they they did all the grinding, mixed all the spices together, uh, made some brats, and then they made a um, a dish with sauerkraut, the brats. Um, I don't remember what else was in. I'm not a huge sauerkraut fan, but I, I picked brats out and, and I ate that part. And then, then we had one that we called, a, I just called it a protein bomb because it had so much protein on it. So basically we made a, a pressed bacon. So like you've seen turkey bacon in the, um, uh, in the grocery stores. 
So is we turkey, ground you're, all. You're about to tell me turkey bacon is pressed bacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> if you go go to the grocery store and you see turkey bacon, you know it's not pressed just, meat. You know, it's pressed meat. They grind it and press it. Okay. And so we, what we did was we we ground um, this, the the wild hog uh, with about thirty percent uh, uh, pork fat. We used uh, uh, fat off of the wild hogs themselves, but we had to add some because they, they're they're still pretty lean. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they don't have enough fat, so we add some additional fat to it. Grind it just like you would uh, for any other sausage, and then um, added the seasonings to it and put it in a pan, almost like a uh, like a flat meatloaf, and then cooked it uh, in the oven. Put it in the refrigerator, let it um, uh, let it chill down and get solid, and then you slice it thin. And it's already cooked. You can put it in the, in the pan and fry it if you want to, or you can serve it just like that. So we had it, and then we made our version of spam, which is is known as a, as a Hawaiian dish. Okay. Uh, and so that was really good. My favorite was uh, we made bologna out of um, out of the Isn't wild spam hog. Spam and bologna the same thing? No, no, they um, uh, they're uh, uh, processed and cooked differently. So spam we did in the oven. Uh, which I guess you could do in a smoker, but the bologna we put in a casing, okay. uh, in a in a tubular casing, and then put it on the smoker for about four hours. Okay, so it had a great smoky uh, taste to it, and it is much. Uh, you, you we put it through the grinder twice, and we use the fine dye versus the bigger dye, mm-hmm. uh, like we did on, like we did on the spam. So that was in the smoker, and then uh, one of the guests shot a, a really small pig, like maybe forty pounds. Okay, and. Stayed. Uh, we basically uh, spatchcocked him and uh, brined him, injected it, uh, seasoned it really well with some Cajun seasoning, and put him on the smoker for six hours. Oh man, and that was that was my favorite of of, of all the meals. But anyway, we we cut some small slices um, off of it as well, and so we just had this whole plate just full of meat. And they had we had some different dipping sauces uh, and stuff that went with it as well. And then the final one was one that you were just talking about. We had a um, uh, a really really good uh, pork chop uh, that was um, served with a, uh, a, a kind of a cranberry cranberry sauce cranberry seasoning and uh, and we had some sides uh, some sides with oh uh, with a uh, a sweet potato pancake. Mm. So yeah, all of your good. guests are actually learning how to do all of these techniques. Every bit of it, yes. So. Um, I'll give you the real quick run through what happens is, is they show up here, we do an orientation, we do introductions, and then um, uh, my instructors will take them down to the range. So they'll go to the range. We provide all the firearms, the optics, the ammunition, everything. They go to the range. And so for these brand new people, this is really the intimidating part is because some of them, actually a great example, a young man here, uh, his name's Ryan. He was here with his uh, father-in-law on this last trip. They just left. He had never handled um, a firearm or was very limited. He'd never shot a rifle before. Okay. He'd never hunted before. So he was our brand new hunter. We'd had several that had never hunted hogs. But anyway, so we take him to the range and we spend time with them. It's not like one of our long range courses at all. So we're working on, after we go through uh, the safety briefing, teach him how to handle a firearm, um, how to get in and out of a vehicle with a firearm, how to get in a blind with a firearm. You know, obviously safety is the very first thing that we cover. But then we're just starting at 100 yards and we're just working on very basic techniques, how they do the cheek weld. Um, uh, trigger squeeze, eye relief, cheek weld. We just work on all the basics and we just want them to get a good tight group so that they have good shot placement and they get a good, clean, ethical kill. So we do that on uh, paper. 
And then on our range, we have um, 3D silhouette animals with steel targets. So at about 150 yards, we have a pig. Mm. And um, so they get to practice on it. It's, it's a life-size, realistic size for a hog. And so we work on them from the bench, from shooting sticks, from a prone position, different positions that they might encounter and build their confidence so that they know uh, that whenever they get out in the field that they can make a good shot. So that's the first step. And they actually go hunting that evening. So they'll go out with our guides that are very familiar with um, the ranch. And um, our new guys will all go sit in blinds so that they've got a good steady platform to be able to shoot from. They won't shoot over 120, 130 yards at the most. Uh, and that'll be over food, food plots or over a corn feeder or a protein feeder. Uh, some of our more experienced hunters, if uh, we have wheat up, uh, they'll be able to go out in the wheat fields and do a spot and stock. And typically they're shooting off of a tripod um, of some kind, you know, so uh, they'll do that. And then if they choose to, they'll learn how to um, field dress. They'll either do it out there in the field or we've just recently built a beautiful processing center that makes it very clean and comfortable and easy, really good for educating. It's not uh -huh, something that everybody uh -huh. would have at home or out in the field. Um, but they, it's really good for, uh, for educating. So they'll come back and, and learn how to field dress and then learn how to skin one out. Uh, and they'll have the opportunity to do, to do that a couple of times. Each client get, has the opportunity to, uh, hunt two hogs. And then, uh, then our, that's when our chef comes in, the, the carcass will go in our walk-in cooler. They'll go hunt some more throughout the week. It's a four night, four day event. And then, uh, whenever it's time for the chefs to do their part, um, they're basically going to do like a Simon says. So the uh, chef will have his own animal that he's working on. And he'll like, here's the first thing we're, that we do. You know, we're going to, um, we're going to take the front shoulders off. Here's how you uh -huh. take it off. So then the clients have theirs hanging. They're going to learn how to take a front shoulder off. Then he'll just go through each part. The back strap is next, the tenderloins. And then when we finally get to the hind quarters, uh, learn how to um, separate them, then pull them off of uh, the gambrels, put them on the table and um, take them off of the, off the hip joint. Yeah, so they'll go through all of that. Then the on the final day, they're going to learn how to break down each uh, of the prime cuts. So they'll learn how to break down the shoulder and the hindquarters. Uh, the hindquarters are seven different muscles, so they're going to learn how to separate all of those out. They're going to learn meat identification. They're going to learn the cooking, the different cooking methods for each one of um, uh, of the muscles. And Chef does something really easy, which is really cool, and it helped me a lot. He breaks every muscle on an animal down into, into three categories. So it's either going to be tough, tender, or less than tender. And then each one of those three categories has multiple cooking methods. So he breaks it down very easily for, for people to understand. You can see the light bulbs go off because it can be overwhelming. There's you know so many different cooking methods and there's so many different muscles. But with it being in three categories, they're like, oh, okay, it, it starts to make sense. Uh -huh. So they'll break those down. We'll vacuum seal them. We'll package them. They'll go in coolers. And then the, uh, the chef's animal that we're working with, then they're going to start uh, using our, like our grinding equipment and they're going to make sausage. Um, they'll, um, uh, uh, yeah, most, mostly make sausage. And we'll make all different flavors there, from sweet Italian, spicy Italian, bratwurst, chorizo, uh, a little bit of everything. We'll just make some stuff up to and throw in all kinds of ingredients uh, for it. And then all of that that we just processed, then all of that is used on the menu when they go to the kitchen and then go through, you know, what I explained about everybody breaking up in teams of two. Are they, are they taking their animals home in sausages in the various sort of forms and cuts, or is it like go home and, and execute by yourself? The, so um, great question. So they actually do both and we leave it up to them. So 
everybody goes some because we make plenty of sausage. We'll usually do three, sometimes four uh, different flavors. And um, we make typically make uh, 10 pounds of each. So everybody's going home with a little bit of the different types of sausages. And at least one of their animals is completely broke down and packaged, vacuum sealed, and then put in their cooler. And of course, you know, on the outside, it's written, hey, this is wild hog. This is the, um, uh, the eye of round, or this is the top round, or, you know, whatever the case is. Usually we have time to go ahead and do both. So if it's a hog only, they, they get two hogs. But some have requested that they leave their second hog uh, just in quarters because they want to uh, practice whenever they get home. Uh, practice butchering some more, or maybe they just want to smoke an entire uh, quarter. So uh, they they get a little bit of everything. Mm. What about uh, the methods for cooking? Do they get like a cookbook? How do they? Re- how do you remember like what to do? Because I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. No, they are. We were just talking about this yesterday too. They're drinking from a fire hose. They are getting a ton of information. So uh, we've we've developed what we think is a pretty intuitive uh, website uh, that they that they can go to, which is from fillthetable.com. And so like all the recipes are put on there. But my favorite page on there, if you click on butchering at the top, uh, a, a elk graphic pops up. And so you can hover over the different sections uh, of the elk. So if you were to hover over the hind quarter, uh, all of the muscles in the hind quarter will pop up. And it will tell you like, hey, this is the top round. This is a tender cut. Then if you click on it, it'll give you all the different cooking methods for uh, for tender cuts. And then there's another, if I remember correctly, down at the bottom, uh, you can click on uh, all the recipes for tender cuts. And then you can do the same for less than tender. You can do the same for tough. So it gives them something that they can refer uh, back to. A lot of those we also have uh, videos of on our YouTube channel, which we you know just embed the link uh, there on the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they search around on the on the YouTube channel, and they can find information there. Mm-hmm. Then the final thing that we're doing, and and we're we're not launching it until the uh, end, actually the end of this month. So here in just a couple of weeks, we're also doing a um, a membership based from fill the table that will just go into every possible detail of what you would encounter. Whenever you're at a live from field to tape, uh-huh. you know, so, uh, so that it much easier access and it will be a great uh, follow up for somebody that has come to a field to table because they get a ton of information. Yeah, I'm looking at your website now and I, I see the elk and uh, you've got the, the tender, less than tender, tough. Um, and I just went to tender and some of the recipes are garlic and ginger, honey glaze, sticky venison, venison scallopini, venison crostinis. Uh, pulled pork enchiladas, Cajun sausage and cheesy grits. Uh, let me do this pork pulled pork enchiladas. Let's see what pulls up here. Oh man, that's one of my favorites. It gives you the ingredients. Um, gives you the preparation. Man, looks amazing. Yeah, it's very. We uh, we just did that one in uh, December. We had a whole family. Uh, they took all eight spots. Um, they're actually repeat clients. They've been to multiple long range schools and. They're coming to their second field to table this December, um, but they they were here uh, last year as well and uh, made those uh, pulled pork enchiladas and they were outstanding. That's amazing. That's amazing. The other thing that you do, Greg, is and you've mentioned it a couple of times too, is you you have a long range shooting school, right? Yes, yes. So we, um, like I said, this is our nineteenth year in business. We started as a booking service, so we put together hunting and fishing trips for people pretty much around the globe. 
our main main business is North America big game. That's my passion. That's what I love. Um, our um, our big game manager uh, Lindsay has been with us since like 2006, and that's his passion as well. So we do a ton of North America big game, but we do stuff in Africa, New Zealand, and Argentina, and uh, and and that type of stuff as well. Um, then we started the long range schools in um, June of 2012. We had one location in Utah. Since then, we've now added, we have two in Texas and we have one in Michigan. And it's a uh, three-night, two-and-a-half-day experience. It's a thousand-yard class. We are not advocating shooting at animals at a thousand yards. We'll shoot a steel at a thousand. But when you go out west, and this is actually why why we started them, um, in, um, with all the bookings that we do for big game out west, we have a lot of clients that are from specifically Pennsylvania. That's a huge state for us as far as clients, but uh, the Northeast, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, Ohio, New York, all those areas, those hunters are wanting to go out west and hunt antelope and mule deer and elk. And when you tell them, hey, you need to be prepared to shoot out to 400, maybe even 500 yards on some of these animals. And they're like, we have no opportunity to do that here. Uh-huh. So there was a huge need for, I had one client, this is a true story. Um, whenever I told him he was doing, wanted to do an antelope hunt in New Mexico. And I told him, hey, you, you need to be prepared to shoot out to 400 yards. He said, I didn't know bullets went that far. <laughs> he, he was from Pennsylvania. You know, he shot slug guns. And um, anyway, so we saw a need. So that's why we actually created the long range classes. And they're geared towards hunters. I mean, we get some people that shoot competition, some people that just want to say they shot out to 1,000 yards. Or we have a mile course as well. Um, yeah, just just to be able to do for the fun of it. Yeah, yeah for really sure. Towards, yeah, we really just geared towards hunters. Um, day one is, uh, all from the bench on our known distance range, hundred yard increments out to a thousand working on everything that, that you would expect to work on reading wind, understanding minute of angle and all that. But day two is all practical shooting. It's everything that you, that we can think of that you would encounter whenever you're on a hunt. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, it's gonna be shooting from a tripod prone off your backpack using natural terrain, deadfall those type of things. And we try to make it as realistic as possible. We'll put shot timers on you. We'll put some pressure on you. Uh, one of our locations, you'll do some hiking, uh, get that heart rate elevated a little bit, and then try to get steady off of a, off of a tripod. It's not easy to do. Oh, so, no, for sure. Yeah. So our goal is just to build their confidence uh, and give them some extra tools that they can use whenever they go out west. One, make them more confident. Two, it's going to make them a more ethical hunter because they're going to be a better shot and less wounded animals. Well, man, I, I know we've been trying to get this uh, podcast squared away for quite some time. You're as busy as I am, maybe travel more than I do. Um, but I wanted to have this conversation specifically because, you know, one of, number one, I just want to say thank you to you. You are a, uh, Outdoor Solutions and From Field to Table is a, is a, is a conservation club supporter of what we do and uh, super grateful for that. But we're also going to put together a... Um, we're going to put together a, a long-range school, I believe, in later this year to be raffled off uh, through our supporters program. I'm looking at my board. I'm trying to remember what we, we wrote down that maybe, we, uh, I think it looks like September, we're going to try and put something together. Yeah, no, we're very proud to be able to do that and, and um, offer that to your audience and hopefully raise a little bit of money and uh, help, uh, help uh, your conservation efforts. We're very appreciative of what, uh, what you do. Obviously, that's what we're um, all about as well. In fact, that is one of the things that we do. We, uh, two years ago, partnered with the Elk Foundation and the NWTF, 
And so a portion of, or actually every student that comes to it from field to table, uh, we purchase them a membership to each one of those conservation groups. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've, I've forgotten to mention that. But no, man, we're, we're super happy to be part of it and uh, look forward to putting that together and have somebody come out and, and um, get a little uh, education from our awesome instructors out here. Greg, if someone's interested, they're like, man, I really want to do this. I really want to go and hunt and learn how to cook game, you know, the right way. How can they find you? How can they learn more about you guys? So they can find um, everything that we do uh, regarding Field to Table on fromfieldtotable.com. And then if they want to just see for, uh, see what the experience is like, uh, we've got numerous uh, videos on our YouTube channel. You can just put in Outdoor Solutions Hunting. And I've most of the videos are on first-time hunters. Uh -huh. um, so we, we just kind of follow them along with their experience and, and their journey. And there's some really good ones uh, in there. Uh, anybody listening, look up one with, uh, the, there's a young lady named uh, Tori Ortega, and she was one of her very first ones. She was a non-hunter, had never hunted, and now that's all her and her husband do together. And they take their their uh, little four-year-old girl, Isla, uh, with them everywhere that they go. So they they are a huge success story for uh, what we've put together. Oh, that's amazing. I've watched a couple of those videos. I don't think I've watched Tori, so I'm going to have to carve out some time and watch Tori's. Yeah, hers is one of the older ones. It's it's one of our first ones that that we did, and she's the one that really gave us the idea to kick a lot of this off to to help first time hunters and and uh, help them through the process. So she she is a great spokesperson for what um, uh, for what we're doing, just because she said all the right things as far as she was intimidated, she didn't know how to get started, and she wanted to have something that she could do to spend more time with her husband. Outstanding, outstanding, Greg. Well, good luck next couple of days. You obviously got a new group coming in. Um, don't get too hot in Texas. I know it's hot already in Memphis, so it must be hot in Texas already. It, it has been. Uh, we actually got some great cloud cover. It's actually beautiful out right now. So I was, I was kind of wanting to be able to do this outside, but the wind was blowing too much. You wouldn't have been able to hear me. <laughs> much appreciate you, Greg. Yeah, you as well, Robbie. Thank you, buddy. Well, that's it for today. Appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.